Welcome to my study. This is where I spend most of my time during the week, reading and preparing, praying, getting ready for Sunday messages, and sometimes meeting with folks one-on-one. -on -one. I'm sorry that we can't be all together this morning. I love being with everyone in the auditorium, but I'm thankful that you can sit down and join me here as we think about the place where we find ourselves right now. Now, you all know that we are in a time that is unlike any other time we've ever experienced. Schools are closing and we're having to figure out what to do with the kids. Workflow has been disrupted for almost everyone. Businesses of every kind are going to be impacted and the financial uncertainty has put a lot of you in the place where it feels like you've maybe lost more than you know how to handle. And to make it worse, none of us feel like we really know what's gonna come next. And what that means is that we're in a time where there are extraordinary levels of anxiety and it's hard to know what to do. And so what I want to do with you this morning is sit down together and offer a few points of clarity, four big ideas that come from our faith and are pertinent to where we find ourselves right now so that we have our feet on the ground and God can guide us for the time that we find ourselves in. So let's start with the first thing that we can hold on to, and it is this, that anxious times require extra grace. Now, our faith teaches us that God is always willing to extend grace to each one of us where we need it and through us to the people that we're in contact with who will also need extra grace. So let's start, first of all, by thinking about you. Uh, there are going to be challenges that come with what you're facing right now that are going to be really disruptive. To confront these effectively, you're going to need extra grace from God. You're going to need to experience His peace to enable you to push through worry and stress. So let's take a moment right now, each one of us, and think about where we're feeling anxious. And what you need to do with those feelings is to bring them to God, to tell Him what you're going through, and then to ask for His grace to settle your heart so that you have peace. Uh, this instruction comes very clearly in the Bible. I want you to listen to the way Paul taught in the letter that he wrote to the Philippians. This is chapter 4, verse 6. Do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now that's the instruction. When you feel worried, pause and tell God what you are feeling. Think through what you need and let God know what your requests are. That's how we're instructed to respond in times of anxiety. Whatever it is that's troubling us, we're invited to think of it and bring it to God. And now I want you to listen to the promise. This is verse 7 in chapter 4. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you will tell God what you need, the promise is that his grace will guard your heart and your mind and give you peace. In times of worry, like the time we find ourselves in, we're invited to tell God what we need and then to trust that he will give us peace, to guard our hearts and our minds also. That's what his grace promises 
for you an ever-present help for your mind and for your heart. That's his promise for you. And now let's think about the grace that's needed for other people. When everybody's stressed, like now, we're going to be surrounded by others who also need grace. Not only directly from God, but grace through us from God, which means for all of us a special opportunity. We're all going to be in a position now to be the bearers of God's peace into a very anxious situation. Every one of us, every one of us is going to have the chance to extend God's grace to others. And this is concrete, being understanding and kind and generous to the people that we are going to see around us who have very little peace and lots of anxiety. Now, you'll notice this if you pay attention, that the people around you are going to react to what's happening differently. This is going to be true in your family and at work and in your neighborhood and at church too. And that's because we're Every one of us are wired differently, and because the challenges that we're going to face are going to be unique to each person, the, the, the difficulties are going to be very specific to where we are in life. And so, for our part, it means an opportunity to become responsible for extending understanding to the people that we're going to be interacting with. And I mean being gracious and letting folks feel whatever they feel. You might feel unafraid. But if a family member feels highly anxious, it won't help that you tell them not to feel that way. Instead, be gracious and try to put yourself in their position and then let them share with you what they're feeling. We want to be a church that commits to extending grace. And so I'm asking that this week, remembering that extra anxiety requires extra grace, that you give someone the chance to talk through what they're experiencing. Let them process be a listening ear. Don't judge them for feeling differently than you do, but give them space to work through the challenges that they're facing. Everywhere we look, we're going to find real opportunities for us to extend grace to others. And there are very few things that make you look more like Jesus than extending grace. So this, again, is the first thing to keep in mind. Extra grace for anxious times. Now, there's a second thing. And that is, is something that we're all responsible for facing honestly, and it's this, that this is a time for real concern. It's not a time for panic. It's not a time for hysteria or overreaction, but for concern. The situation we're in is serious, and every one of us is responsible for being a good citizen. There are a lot of us who are a part of this church. And what that means is that our reach is significant. The number of social connections that we have at Renaissance Church is enormous. And so our choices will matter. What we do will make a big difference, not only in our immediate environment, but much further out in our county and in our country even. Now, obviously, there are many things that are out of our control, but there are also significant steps to be taken that are within our control. And the outcome down the road for us and for our country and even for the world will depend on the choices communities like ours make. We have a unique opportunity to be responsible in these times. And so we need to be proactive, playing our part in disrupting the flow of a pathogen with devastating potential. Now, present numbers don't always tell the whole story. 
This is a situation which is not the same as the seasonal flu. We're in the midst of a global pandemic, and if we make a mistake, we want that mistake to be on the side of caution. So even though we don't have any confirmed cases in our immediate community, it's up to us to do what we can to minimize the likelihood that we will. And that's why we're not together this morning. Appropriate concern, that's the words for us. And what that dictates is that we make choices like this one. We have to choose not to be all together. We have to choose not to shake hands, not to embrace, not to be in places where we bump into one another physically, all so that the pathways of transmission are cut off. Now, for many of us, this will mean a real loss for now. Anyone who knows me knows how much I enjoy being together with people face to face. I wish I could talk with you after this message. I wish I could look right into your eyes and hear about the things that you're struggling with. I wish that we could hold hands and pray together and we could embrace and laugh and rejoice in God's faithfulness, even in times like this, face to face. But now I am challenged personally and I challenge each one of you to put what is best aside for you personally and instead embrace what's best for the community that we live in. To really set aside what we want for the sake of what others might need. And so for now, that means we have to be vigilant and remain concerned. That's the second thing to be clear about. Not panic, not hysteria, not overreaction, but responsible concern. And now the third thing. And this third is pertinent especially to those of us who want to follow Jesus together. And it is this. Love is the reason we're going to change our behavior. Not fear, not anxiety, not because we're being forced to, not because everyone else is, but because the community of Jesus is a community that always seeks to act in love. And our decision not to meet altogether Deepest down is the decision that comes when we prioritize loving our neighbors as ourselves. And this is very important for us to be clear about and even for us to work at communicating to others who wonder why our church is not gathering together. The single word is love. Maybe you are young and healthy and you're confident that even if you become sick, you'll be fine. Perhaps the risk to any one of us individually is small. Maybe that's true. But love requires us to put the needs and the vulnerability of others first, to consider the potential threat to our neighbors before we consider the potential threat to ourselves. The truth about our community is that there are many folks all around us for whom this is a serious threat. All of us live close to people who, if they come in contact with this virus are going to be seriously threatened. And so it's time for us to put the needs of others first in our thinking and adjust our behavior accordingly. If our caution means that even one person who's older and vulnerable is not exposed to the virus, that could mean the difference between life and death for someone. And we're called as followers of Jesus to put ourselves in the position of others with the family members of others who'd be threatened, with the loved ones who might actually lose. The law of Christ is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And this is 
the most important thing for me to say to us this morning. Love puts the needs of others before our own. That's what love does. And this present crisis will give every one of us many opportunities to do just that. Not only by choosing not to be together, all in the same place as we have this morning, but also in keeping our eyes out for one another, in lending a hand with childcare if we're able, in bringing meals over for those who are homebound or who will have lost their jobs, as some already will in our community, going shopping for someone who's struggling and not as strong as you are, reaching out to ask, how are things going? in small and healthy groups, gathering in one another's homes for meals and conversation and fun and prayer and in strategizing for how to be the loving presence of Christ in the midst of this time, I think it would be hard to overestimate how our opportunities to love will have grown given where we find ourselves. And now it is time for us to let love lead us in how we behave and the changes we embrace all together. That's the third thing to lift, to let love lead you to change. And now one more. And this one I think emotionally will be the most important. And and, and believe it or not, the way we engage emotionally is much more in our control than we often admit, and also a much more important way we become witnesses to Jesus, to our family and to the people around us. And so here is the fourth thing to list. It's a challenge. It is to choose to fight fear and work at being brave instead. And when fear grips you, it will feel like you have no choice, but that's never true. You always have the choice to take steps toward bravery. Now, this is important to be honest. There is no promise made to us as Christians that we will not face challenges in the world. Quite the contrary, Jesus taught his disciples that they would regularly experience many troubles in the world because, as it is, the chaos all around us is an expression of how the world is broken and still struggling in bondage to sin. But Jesus also insisted that we do not need to be afraid since he had overcome all in the world that could ultimately stand against us and our deepest well-being. Yes, we will face things that threaten our well-being in a provisional sense. That is true. But ultimately, and this is a, a statement of faith, ultimately, God's choice to come and be with us in Christ means that those who entrust themselves to God's grace can experience genuine freedom from the bondage of sin and death and therefore Every one of us is free to be brave in the face of any threat, no matter how difficult it is. All of us are given the gift to trust the promise that nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of Christ. And that is an incredibly emboldening truth if we will accept it and dwell on it. Listen again. We will face real struggles, and in many cases, there's nothing we can do about that. But we can be brave because nothing can truly take us away from God. Nothing at all. I want you to listen to how this promise is put in Romans. And this is in the eighth chapter of that book, verse 35. There Uh, Paul asks a question. Who 
will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Uh, That list there, that litany of potential challenges is the author's way of enumerating every conceivable threat and crisis all the worst-case scenarios which might actually take a person away from God. And he asks, will any of these have the power to do that? After raising that question and quoting a psalm, he answers the question in verse 37. Listen to what he says there. No. Right there, a one-word answer. Will any of these have the power to separate us from God and Christ? No, that's the answer. In all these things, he explains, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not more than conquerors through our own strength. Not more than conquerors because if we change our way of thinking, we'll be able to face this challenge in a new way. But through him who loved us. And this is specific. It's Jesus who has conquered all the things that could stand up against us. It's Jesus who conquered the power of sin and death and every enemy that could stand in our way. And because Jesus pours out his love and his grace for us, because Jesus has come to be our protector and our healer and our guide and our strengthener, because he is with us in everything, then we can actually be brave in him in the face of anything we face. And that's that fourth challenge for us now in this time. It is to choose not to be fearful and instead be brave in Jesus. In verse 38, Paul goes further to share his conviction. And this is for us as well. Listen to these words. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing at all, literally nothing, not even the worst possible future can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And that is reason to take heart and to choose to flee from fear and cling to confidence in God himself. If you pause this morning and let your mind see just what it is that causes you to be afraid, bring that before God in your mind and trust that not even that can keep you from God's love in Christ. And this is the fourth thing for us to keep in mind in these days. It is not to be afraid, but instead to take heart, because all is well, even when it seems unwell. God's promise for us is secure. Now, I thank you for taking time to spend uh, your morning here with me in my study and with us as we worship together.